Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I'm Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Deuteronomy. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. And he went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring you the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Our gospel lesson is from Gospel of Luke, beginning at chapter 4. This is right after Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. So hear now and listen to how God is speaking to you through these words of Luke's gospel. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Now, as I was meditating on this Luke passage this week, I found myself... Uh, Yet again, as I always do when I read this passage, I found myself yet again lamenting that I do not have the capacity to come up with snappy answers like Jesus does. He's so good at these comebacks. And they're all scriptural comebacks that he quotes back at the devil, and then when the devil kind of proof texts back to Jesus, Jesus has yet another one to uh, scripture passage to, to hit him with. So good, Jesus is, at coming up with these comebacks, so good at coming up with a a reason to avoid these temptations. And not just any reason, like, oh, that's not good for me, or it's bad for me, but faith reasons, reasons of faith to avoid these temptations. And I found myself yet uh, lamenting that there ought to be some kind of special power that comes with ordination, or even that comes with baptism. Uh, Some kind of extra power that comes with it, even if it's one as as mundane as just being able to come up with these right answers so quickly, so perfectly, at the time that they're needed. But it is not so. Those do not come. That comes only uh, through practice, through reading scripture, thinking about it, through living through these things. Uh, And so I I didn't want to make myself feel too bad, so I stopped thinking in that direction and started thinking about temptation, temptation itself. Even how there was in that thought kind of this temptation for having power of my own. But uh, temptation, and specifically the kind of temptations that churches can fall into. Not just we as individuals. We have our our very many temptations, but institutions have temptations as well that they can uh, fall into. Even even churches can do so. I haven't often uh, thought about that. I'm not even sure if I've really preached on it or talked about it much, but I thought about it this week. There are temptations that we as groups of people can fall into. And was thinking specifically of, of the church and think uh, as mainline Protestantism in the U.S. has declined over the last 40, 50 years. All the denominations have suffered in membership even as our population has gone up in the country. Uh, and even religion itself in general has been on the decline in this country. Although I think spiritual yearning has been on an increase. But, but there, our church membership 
has been declining, and some of these temptations have, have come forth. And some of the decline, I think, is because churches have succumbed to some of the temptations that are out there, that do tempt us as churches. As I've, I've read books on church development and the state of the church today, some of these have, have come up. Some have been recognized. Some of these traps that we've fallen into. And one of the big ones is temptations is one that we have joked about for a long time. I think some of these jokes go, go way, way back to, you know, how many, uh, whatever the denomination is, does it take to change a light bulb? And the response is, change. <laughs> you know, there, there is that temptation to say, well, we've always done it that way. We've always done it this way. And the corollary of, well, we have never done it that way. We've done it this way. We've never done it that way. That temptation for the status quo, the temptation to raise the tradition and the method above the mission, which is to spread the gospel, to make disciples of the nations, to take the gospel message outside the wall, outside these walls into the world. We've often thought that the method that we do that is more important than the mission itself. We don't like to rock the boat or make waves or go out of our comfort zone. And that's perfectly fine when, when everything is working really well. You know, you don't want to throw away that which is good just because you've done it for a while. If it works, stick with it. You know, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with the status quo and the tradition as long as it works. But when it's not working anymore, it's time to let it go. And there is that temptation to hold on, to keep doing the same thing even when it doesn't work so well. And there can also be this temptation to leave the ministry of the church to the clergy and to the paid professionals uh, and or maybe a few very committed volunteers. This is something I've, I've read about and we've, I think we've seen it in the last... 50 years, probably even in the last 200 years, this kind of professionalizing of Christianity, of leaving the ministry to the clergy and to the church staff, and not so much to the laity, the laity becoming less involved in the ministry of the church, maybe involved in the leadership and doing some of the things within the congregation, but not as much in the community or outside. And, and some of this is, has been for good reason. We have, over the years, seen the need to have not just uh, a well-trained clergy, but that having you know, clergy that are trained in Christian education is really helpful, or in elder care, or in uh, youth ministry, or even some churches now have ministers of technology and social media. You know, we've seen the recognition that there are many fields of ministry and are training people into that. But the thing that we've lost, I think, is that uh, lay people have become then less involved. And I don't think it's so much that people in the church have said, oh, good, I don't have to do anything anymore. We hired someone. But sometimes it's probably really the fault of, uh, of the people who are the professionals saying, well, I'm the one that, that does this. You know, let me do it. There is some, some temptation there. 
And, and with that comes that temptation to also think that the church exists only for the people who are already in that church. We do have a commitment to one another and are called to care for one another and nurture one another, but we also have a call outside the walls. We have this call to take who we are out into the community. Uh, Jim Griffiths is a church consultant, and he's done some work here in the Wisconsin Conference and spoke at our annual meeting a couple years ago, and I've had a chance to speak with him. And bless you. That was a lot of sneezing. Uh, I, Jim Griffith uh, has talked about you know, church growth, church vitality, uh, and he has uh, told this story a couple of times that especially since, at least as he sees it, since about the World War II time, post-World War II, when the mainline churches saw big explosion uh, in numbers and in membership, he, he saw at the same time this kind of restricting of the mission field for the clergy of those churches. Uh, this continuing constriction of uh, restricting the mission field to the office and not the community, not the community. And I think there is some some truth in that. That's also an easy temptation to fall into, part of that ministry to those who are here, not ministry to those outside the walls who maybe need to hear what we have to offer. I think especially here at Plymouth, we have a lot of good things to offer. This is a a great church, a good congregation, faithful, on top of things. Uh, We work well together, lots of lady involvement. We have something really special here that people ought to know about and that I think people would enjoy once they come in. You know, when I talk to... People outside the church walls, whether they're atheists uh, that have no interest in religion or have been turned off by the church, or people that have been abused by the church, or that are yearning for something spiritual, but all they know of the church is what they see on uh, on TV or, or hear in the news. When I talk to the people, when I talk to them, they often know what Jesus said. They know enough about Jesus to know that he talked about loving our neighbors, about sharing, showing compassion, having mercy on one another, being considerate and kind, and all those things. Even if they've not been in the church, they know enough about Jesus to know that. And they tell me that they they hear that, they know that about Jesus, but what they see in so many churches and see from Christians is not that. They see so many doing the opposite or not doing that at all, and it really turns them off. Uh, and and it, it bothers them. They see judgmentalism and, uh, and hypocrisy or meanness. You know, if you have a, a Jesus fish sticker on the back of your car or a I Heart Jesus bumper sticker, or if you see someone uh, driving around in that kind of car and they're flipping people off and driving crazy and putting people at risk, that gives Christianity a bad name. And I've seen that. I've seen that. And I think, wow, you're not helping our mission at all by doing this. Please don't do that. And I can see why people get upset at the church and don't necessarily want 
to come in. You know, that's one thing that we're fighting against in our culture. You know, these, these many that, that call themselves spiritual but not religious. Because they've either been abused by the church or they just see bad things that happen in the church. And when I talk to them, in many ways I have to agree with them. I have to go, well, yeah, you're right. You know what? Those people are out there. But A, we're all human. Even in the best of churches, you're going to find people who sin, who make mistakes, who do things that we shouldn't do. We fall into temptation. We do what we ought not to do. But I also like to show them that there are many churches, like Plymouth, like the United Church of Christ, that are very much trying to be faithful to those words of inclusion and love and compassion. And I take that opportunity to say, there's a whole lot of us out there that are doing good things, that are serving their community. You know, we have our, uh, our street ministry, our St. Francis support, our community table support. We're doing a lot in the community. Part of it is that you know, we don't shout it out because it's also kind of part of Christian tradition not to, uh, not to trumpet yourself too much or to blow your own horn. So this gets done, but it gets done very quietly. People don't necessarily see it, which makes it all that much more important when you have that opportunity to say something, to say it, to speak out, to tell the person that you're talking with, to go, wow, that's not my experience. That's not my, not my experience. Let me uh, show you a church that isn't that. And then invite them. Invite them to come and witness, see what we have here. And don't just invite them and, and leave them on their own to get here. Offer to drive them. Offer to pick them up and bring them in. Offer to take them to lunch afterward. We said earlier, it's really hard to say no to an invitation to food. Even if the prelude is sitting through worship with me. Do that, and then take out for food afterward. Make it easy. Make it easy for them. It's easy to say no if someone invites you to their church or to whatever, and then also says, and you can get there on your own and get your own ticket and do whatever. Uh, but if you offer to pick them up, to bring them, to take them out for food, it makes it very easy for them to come in. And imagine if we all did that, even with just one person over the next year. If we all did that, all brought in one person, we'd have twice as many people. The message would be going out to twice as many people. And we'd have that many more ambassadors out in the community. And there are these temptations. Jesus was tempted by three things here, the three things that I think also tempt the church. One was this temptation for comfort and ease. To turn the stone into bread, to have food in such plenty that he wouldn't have to trust in God's providence anymore, wouldn't have to trust in God to provide, to fall into that temptation to think that we don't need God, that we can do everything on our own. And he was tempted by power, right, to rule the nations 
to rule the nations, which one would think would be awfully tempting, but in Sunday school this morning, uh, we all kind of came to the agreement, like, oh, what a pain. I don't want that much power. So I don't see that happening here. But there is temptation to power, to not have to uh, recognize our powerlessness compared to God, the temptation to think that we can be our own God. And this thing that I call self-righteousness, I'm not sure that's quite the word for it, but you know, the temptation for Jesus to jump off the pinnacle and that God will save him is this temptation of thinking that whatever we do, God blesses instead of doing what God has blessed or that God has to conform to our will instead of us conforming to God's will. This was very much the sin that Israel had fallen into before falling to, to Babylon, to think that, well, we are God's chosen nation, therefore we can do whatever we want, because whatever we do is automatically God's will. It must be. We're God's chosen nation, or God's chosen people, or I am God's chosen individual. That temptation, stuff that we all fall for, stuff that the church falls for and things that that lead us to forget that we have the Holy Spirit behind us, the power that's given to us at Pentecost that gives strength to the church, the Holy Spirit, that if we're doing what God wants us to do, it's going to get done. God guarantees that we will have whatever we need to do to do what God wants done. Part of the difficulty is to figure out what is it that God wants done. But once we figure that out, God will make sure that it gets done. So maybe we don't have the snappy answers at the tip of our tongue ready to go at a moment's notice and maybe our baptisms and our ordinations and we don't become superheroes at those. But we do get the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about this also at the Wednesday night soup and scriptures. We get the power of the Holy Spirit that can move mountains of despair and overcome hopelessness and drag us out of the wilderness into the promised land. And it can also give you strength. It can also give you strength for daily living, for your Christian life, but also give you strength to speak uh, when you hear people asking about what is Christianity, what is the church, what is faith. The Holy Spirit can give you strength to offer an answer, to speak out at that time, and even give you the strength to invite someone so that they can come and witness the miracle of the Holy Spirit that takes place inside these walls. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, This is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.